This is a recording from a Sunday meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. Humanism is a progressive worldview that, without supernaturalism, affirms our ability and responsibility to lead meaningful, ethical lives capable of adding to the greater good of humanity. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our staff or board of directors. Okay, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, uh, one of our own, uh, Joyce Arthur. She's going to be talking about the power of fake news and anti-choice lies. So please welcome Joyce. Thanks, everyone. Uh, can you hear me okay? All right, great. Before I started, I, I started, I just wanted to ask people in the room, before you read the blurb about today's um, talk, had you ever heard of the Canada Summer Jobs Program before? Okay, a lot of you have. And how many of you heard about not only the Canada Summer Jobs Program, but the controversy surrounding it? Okay, you guys are all very well informed because many people have not heard about it, which in a way is uh, kind of a relief. <laughs> okay, um, so um, how it all began was our group, the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, did a research project on um, what we call fake clinics or crisis pregnancy centers, or these anti-abortion places that try and convince women to uh, carry to term instead of have an abortion. So we looked at their websites to determine what kind of uh, misinformation um, that they were um, engaging in, and, and they were. And at the end of our report, we had some recommendations, and um, we still have to get to some of these. <laughs> we're working on them. But we started out with, um, let's stop them getting public funding, because we realized that some of them were getting public funding. We didn't know to what extent. So uh, we've got a great volunteer. So first of all, I want to say I didn't do like a lot of the work around this, but I was kind of heading it, heading it up. We've got a great volunteer in Edmonton. Her name is Kathy Dawson. And she just uh, went crazy and got all this data, uh, knew how to research it, and it was just amazing. So so we started. she started digging for government funding info, and she uh, started, in, she's in Alberta, so she looked in Alberta, and which Alberta's fairly transparent in their provincial funding. She found uh, anti-choice groups were getting funding through the Culture and Tourism Ministry, through the Lottery Fund. She found other grants through Blue Books, which I think most provinces have, um, a, sort of a, a record of government expenses. Um, freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Requests. Um, municipal funding, we found evidence of grants found in city council minutes from various places, uh, and news announcements, and there's so much more we haven't yet uncovered. And uh, federal funding, and Employment Standards Development Canada is the um, ministry or the agency that re responsible for the Canada Summer Jobs Program. And uh, the federal funding was not really that transparent, a lot harder to figure out, except for the uh, Canada Summer Jobs was quite uh, transparent and easy to uh, figure out because they published lists each year on the, on the federal uh, Canada website um, showing all the grantees, etc. So what is Canada Summer Jobs? It's a program where the federal government pays the minimum wage for students that uh, um, are hired by small companies, and they get 50% of the wage from the federal government or a nonprofit, which gets 100% of the wage. So small companies, 50 employees or under. So it's not something for large companies. The objectives of um, CSJ, we call it for short, uh, is to provide meaningful work experiences for students. So you can't just you know, hire them to be like a person, your personal assistant. Um, and to support organizations, particularly those who provide important community services. And the program recognizes local circumstances and community needs and priorities. And one of the reasons for that is because um, although the employers apply to the federal government for the funding, 
It's the feds that establish the lists of the recommended projects in each individual riding. And then they send these lists of the uh, recommended candidates, companies, to the MPs in the ridings. And then they validate the list and decide you know, which ones they want to fund or not. They have the power to sort of veto some of them if they prefer, or they might want to prioritize particular kinds of themes in their riding. But I think in most cases, MPs approve most or all of the lists that they get from the feds, because why not? Um, so basically how we, how Kathy did it was she just painstakingly went through this list of like, and there's like tens of thousands of applicants every single year for the Canada Summer Jobs Program. So I think she did keyword searches and she found all of the anti-choice groups getting funding through this program. And there was, turned out to be about 60, I think about 59 to be exact. So here's an example. This is the South Pregnancy, Preg Pregnancy, South Fraser Pregnancy Options Center. They got $14,000, uh, I believe in 2016 or something. And, uh, now, initially, you remember this came out of our study of crisis pregnancy centers, and we suddenly realized that it wasn't just the CPCs, the fake clinics that were getting funding, it was also political groups. So here's a roundup. We put this together a little bit later, but uh, we looked from years 2010 to 2017. All anti-choice groups, the total of funding they got was $1.8 million. A total of 59 groups were funded. Of those, 44 were the fake clinics, and 15 were advocacy groups, actually really political groups as far as I'm concerned. And um, of those political groups, nine of them had charitable tax status, and a lot of the fake clinics do as well. That's another issue, though. That's what we call the crisis pregnancy centers, because they sort of pretend to be unbiased, secular centers, you know, that give women all their options and everything. But in fact, they have no medical services, and they're run by untrained volunteers. And they sometimes try, they sometimes set up beside real abortion clinics and try and, you know, lure women in by telling them they can provide the help that they need and so on. So, fake clinics. So, um, over the years, 114 different members of parliament gave funds across 93 ridings. And the difference is because MPs come and go and a lot of the were new after the 2015 election. So, out of those, 69 were conservatives. There were 35 liberals and, um, even including a lot after the 2015 election, and even 10 NDP MPs. And we think uh, many of those didn't really know, understand what they were funding, because um, eight of the 10 were to uh, fake clinics, and sometimes they could be very deceptive. But two of them were to political groups, so that was very interesting. So we issued a press release on April the 10th, 2017, announcing our findings on um, that anti-choice groups were getting uh, Canada Summer Jobs Program funding. We didn't uh, like that. Um, in particular, we pointed out uh, one of the groups, I don't know if you can read this, but the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. It's a very Orwellian name, CCBR for short. Uh, they're an extremist anti-choice group, and they're the group that goes around uh, in cities across Canada. They've been really busy in Toronto this summer, displaying these big signs of uh, aborted fetuses, and they deliver uh, graphic flyers with aborted fetuses on them right into people's mail slots, that, you know, and families with children get really upset because their kids are seeing this stuff. And um, it's very offensive, and they were also active in the 2015 federal election campaign, attacking uh, Trudeau and other MPs, like they were produced flyers with an aborted fetus next to Trudeau's face, you know, and they distributed these around. <laughs> Turns out they were using Canada Summer Jobs money to train and pay students to do that. And not only that, uh, the, um, try out this pointer here, this amount here that was given in 2016, $57,000 almost to the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, was given by an MP in a liberal riding, her name was Ikra Khalid from Mississauga Aaron Mills. Uh, she was a new MP in the fall of 2015. And so 
two days after our press release, it came to the attention of the federal government almost immediately. And so the uh, MP, Ikra Khalid, uh, who allocated this money, said, oh, it was a mistake. It was an oversight. It won't happen again. And the Liberals, the Liberal Party, the government said they would stop allowing Liberal MPs in Liberal ridings to give out uh, any Canada Summer Jobs funding to anti-choice groups. And the very next day, they said, oh, we're going to find a way to shut down the Canada Summer Jobs grants to all anti-choice groups in all ridings, whether Liberal or not. So fast action, our press release was on April 10th, and this was three days later. Now, we had been emailing the Employment Standards Development Canada, ESDC office, about this. And after this uh, decision from the government was announced through the media, we said, hey, we, you know, we've got lots of information we can help you with. You know, we started this issue. We brought it to your attention. Here's uh, some lists of anti-choice groups so you can you know, cross-check them against your vetting uh, procedure. Uh, we can give you information on all the past funding that anti-choice groups got, the, the, the writings that you know, were involved. Never heard back from them. Now, in fairness, we didn't have a, like a contact there. We were using their regular email address. We've tr I tried phoning them, you know, leaving messages. They never called back. So in the meantime, over the summer, um, like the government announced that they were rescinding all the funding that had been announced so far for that year. So three anti-choice groups whose funding was retroactively rescinded sued to get it back, uh, and they won. Uh, I mean, in fairness, it's because they had been approved under the old criteria, and the judge said, well, you can't just change horses in midstream and take away that funding, so they got it back. I don't know if other groups got it back, though. So finally, on December the 19th, and this was uh, six, seven, eight months later, the ESDC published a new attestation requirement for the Canada Summer Jobs Program. Oh, and one of the groups that sued was the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, as well as uh, Guelph and Area Right to Life and Toronto Right to Life. So here's what they said. Uh, there's an application form that employers have to fill out, and then a, a section that have to tick a box and say, I attest that both the job and my organization's core mandate respect individual human rights in Canada, including the values underlying the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, as well as other rights. These include reproductive rights and the right to be free from discrimination on the basis of sex, religion, race, national or ethnic origin, color, mental or physical disability, or sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. So I've uh, put in orange there some of the key phrases. And, you know, I'm not sure what you think about this, but there was obviously some, some ambiguity there and uh, some confusion arose. And uh, I even asked them in emails, uh, another email, and in the media to clarify uh, what they meant by the attestation requirement. In particular, what does core mandate mean? What does the word respect mean? Wasn't defined. Uh, on the other hand, it wasn't really rocket science. I decided to, uh, I listened to and read the media comments by Justin Trudeau was defending the, the uh, new requirement in the media. So it's kind of cool to you know, start this whole issue and then have Justin Trudeau in there defending um, something that we initiated. And the minister of the ESDC uh, was Patty Haidu. And uh, so I put together, I pieced together what they were saying in their comments. And well, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but first I wanted to, this, this happened almost immediately. The day after they announced the uh, new attestation requirement, this word martyrgasms comes from one of our volunteers. I really love the word. So they just kind of went crazy. Here's a quote from the Christian Post news article. Evangelical conservatives and pro-lifers in Canada are voicing concern that a new requirement put in place by the federal government would force organizations to attest to liberal beliefs on abortion and LGBT rights in order to receive funding to give kids summer jobs. And the day after that, it didn't take long at all, there was all these articles 
particularly in the anti-choice um, newsletter, LifeSite News, a massive temper tantrum. And some, these are some of the phrases that they used in their uh, articles. And uh, I just put the exclamation marks there for sort of, because <laughs> that's what it seemed like. They were going, ah, thought control, ideological coercion, it's tyrannical, it's totalitarianism, and a witch hunt, an ideological purity test. And, you know, they, they thought the world was about to fall in. But let's step it back, step back a bit from the, the brink of hysteria and figure out what this really means. And as I mentioned, I, I, I listened carefully to what the minister and Trudeau were saying. I looked it up in the dictionary, the words. I don't know if anyone else did that, but it seemed like the obvious uh, thing. Mandate means an official order or commission to do something or the authority to carry out a policy. So really, that's sort of talking about activities, what a group does. It's not about their beliefs or their values. And to respect, it can mean admire someone or something deeply, but it also means have due regard for, which means avoid harming or interfering with, and agree to a recognize and abide by. So it's not about supporting or agreeing with, it's about uh, avoiding interfering with, and I, I realized that was what they meant by the word respect. So um, on January 21st, I published this on our Facebook page, my interpretation of the uh, what it meant, and I also... Um, wrote another email to the ESDC explaining this. There was more information to it than this. I told them I was going to publish it and I'll talk about it on the CBC the next day because I'd been invited to speak on The Current <coughs> about the issue. <coughs> and so I asked them well, to contact me right away if there's any problem with this, if I've got it wrong, right? Well, it turns out um, I got canceled on The Current because they managed to get uh, Minister Patty Hyde at the last minute instead of me. So, <laughs> so that's fine. Um, anyway, here's my interpretation. So core mandate means a primary or explicit mandate of the group, which must not be to actively undermine or try to remove individual human rights, the ones listed in the guidelines. And to respect charter rights means that regardless of their own beliefs, whether they agree with those rights or not, employers agree to not use the summer jobs funding for activities that undermine or oppose any of the listed rights. In other words, they'll take a hands-off approach. So agreeing to respect human rights in this context refers to the employer's actions and not beliefs. So here's what they published two days later. Oh, and before I talk about that, I wanted to mention that uh, the day before this, on January 22nd, finally, I get a call from the chief of staff of Minister Haidu's office saying, oh, we just got your email. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was a guy, and he, we went over my interpretation, you know, line by line. He was, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I got it exactly right. The only thing I'd miss that, that there was a prohibition on um, using the Canada Summer Jobs Funding to discriminate in hiring, because some groups were, um, in the past, have been refusing to hire LGBT youth for the jobs. So here's the uh, government definitions, clarification they issued. Core mandate is a primary activities undertaken by the organization that reflect the organization's ongoing services provided to the community. It's not the beliefs, it's not the values of the organization. Respect means individual human rights are respected when an organization's primary activities and the job responsibilities do not seek to remove or actively undermine these existing rights. So very, very similar to what I had written just a few days previously. Now, um, I should say, I listened to The Current, and I listened to Minister Haidu explain things, and I kind of thought, oh, I, maybe I could have done a better job. But anyway, <laughs> it uh, sometimes felt over the ensuing weeks that the Liberals could be doing a better job, you know, in the media trying to explain this. It was still confusing. And I kind of felt sometimes like at ARC, my group was being put in the position of being like the bulldog defender, you know, the Liberals on this new policy that they'd come up with. And we had never even asked them to do that. We just wanted them to take funding away from anti-choice groups. Be that as it may, we, we supported it. Um, 
But I did ask in the media, you know, that they said that they should clarify it. Okay, so uh, here's the new thing. And I just wanted to mention that they also gave some examples of um, eligibility. So, like, for example, an organization whose primary activities are focused on removing or actively undermining um, women's reproductive rights, an anti-choice group, in other words, if they applied for funding, they'd automatically be ineligible because their core mandate is to oppose women's human rights. But if it was a faith-based organization, like a church, uh, that, you know, their mandate is to, you know, spread the faith or whatever, but they might incidentally also not agree with abortion, but that's not their core mandate. It's not what they, you know, they're not sending, you know, the parishioners out to protest in front of abortion clinics. So they'd be eligible for funding as long as they don't actually use the funding to specifically oppose human rights in some way or discriminate in hiring. Otherwise, they're completely eligible. That's the only uh, barrier. So really, what they were trying to do is just, um, and when I talked to the chief of staff and I had a couple of different conversations with him, because I was curious, I was trying to figure out, like, why exactly did they do it this way? Because there were um, some groups, like some liberal MPs, some NDP MPs, some uh, otherwise supportive commentators saying, well, sure, yeah, I agree, you know, we don't want to give funding to anti-choice groups, but why use this sledgehammer approach to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, you've got the churches and everything up in arms. So they said, the ESDC said, well, they can't review every application individually. They get like 40,000, 50,000 a year. It's just too much. They just don't have the resources. So the attestation requirement kind of allows groups to vet themselves, you know, decide whether or not they would qualify and apply. They also needed to not only make anti-choice groups ineligible via their core mandate, but also eligible groups that would use the funding to discriminate or undermine rights, as I mentioned. Because they had had some other complaints coming in about... Um, uh, like summer camps, for example, that hire camp counselors and youth. Uh, some churches, et cetera, don't have even, in, even in their policy that they won't uh, hire um, LGBT youth. Also, um, Minister Haidu said in the media that the CCBR, that extremist anti-choice group, had lied, been lying on their applications. And so they couldn't take the application itself at face value anyway. So the idea, uh, thinking, I guess, went was that the attestation requirement would be more likely to deter groups from applying uh, or lying on it, because it kind of has the aura of an oath, although it wasn't clear what, I tried to figure out, like, what is the actual, uh, you know, what's the, what's the punishment, you know, for lying, and they didn't want to answer that question, they weren't sure. Um, and also, there was some uh, criticism about, like, you know, well, why don't we just have, you know, the MPs and their writings, you know, vet the applications, they, they could do it. But we can't, obviously, because, um, well, first of all, their validation of those lists is voluntary, many of them apparently don't even look at it, they just approve them all. But many MPs are anti-choice. You know, they're not going to be dissuaded from, you know, not funding an anti-choice group. So, and Minister Haidu said, and this is a quote uh, in the media one day, there was just simply no way to get at the true activities of an organization. And so we're asking organizations to confirm that their activities don't violate the charter or other fundamental rights. So, what clarification? The confusion just continued. Um, conservatives started using the issue as a political weapon against the liberals. On March 1st, there was a conservative motion uh, debated in Parliament trying to stop the attestation requirement. The top line there, that's a headline in the paper from February 13th, nuance lost in an age of instant outrage. I think that really sums it up quite nicely. So this motion, it was by a conservative MP. She said that, um, it said that non-political, non-activist groups, so like churches and religious groups, they should be able to get the, the funding from Canada Summer Jobs regardless of their private convictions and whether or not they choose to sign the attestation. Well, it's misworded because those groups already can get the funding. They are eligible as long as they don't um, discriminate in hiring. 
Anyway, uh, the motion was defeated, and uh, we issued a statement blaming the conservatives for the confusion. And um, I mean, what was happening was that many conservative MPs um, were failing to reassure their constituents, explain to them that, yes, you're, you're still eligible, don't worry. Uh, so they turned the issue into this political weapon uh, at the expense of students hoping to obtain summer jobs. So uh, you may remember the anti-choice terms that I showed before about totalitarianism and the witch hunt and so forth. Well, during this debate, here's some of the terms that the anti-choice, or the, sorry, conservative, well, probably mostly anti-choice MPs, uh, used to describe the attestation requirement. Orwellian, bigoted, intolerant, unconstitutional, compelled speech, the liberal agenda, liberal values, Trudeau's opinions, ideological warfare, ideological straitjacket, and so on. And I just wanted to read out to you because I thought this was really good. Like after all these tedious speeches by conservative MPs, this liberal guy got up, not an MP, he's a, his name is Andy Fillmore, he's a parliamentary secretary to Minister of Democratic Institutions. <clears throat> he says, I am so confounded by the mendacious invective from the conservative members and from the leadership that I hardly know where to start. I come from a long career in public service, and I have seen my share of sophistry and oratorical parlor tricks where elected members were trying to confuse the public into believing something other than what was true, other than what was being proposed. What I fear here is that the overreact by the conservative benches on this matter is so great that it is doing damage to the very institution of public service, misleading smart, good people, good organizations into believing that they should not sign the attestation and that they are therefore ineligible for funding not only harms those institutions, but it harms the students. And just before I go on to the next one, I just wanted to mention that the NDP basically were more or less in favor of the attestation, kind of reluctantly, but they didn't like the liberal handling of it. thought it was clumsy and ham-fisted, was some words used, and so on. Yeah, fair enough. Elizabeth May was uh, against the attestation. She just thought it went way too far. I had an email debate with her, could not convince her to change her mind. So here's some of the uh, headlines, just a small sampling. This is, this is after, remember, after the clarification was issued with the new definitions by the liberal, liberal government. And there was um, dozens, dozens of similar articles over the uh, coming weeks, weeks after that, and even months. Uh, it was just overwhelming. And it's all coming from, now it's, the focus has shifted from anti-choice groups to the religious groups in the churches. A lot of columnists, too, weighed in. And, and I think there may have been one woman columnist, but they were mostly all men, 8 to 10 male commentators, all against the uh, attestation requirement. All of them were silent during the Harper administration when he was cutting all that funding to women's groups. Ironic. Had an argument with one of the columnists. He misquoted me. Actually, he didn't even talk to me. He just said that I had, I had said in the media that I wanted the attestation requirement removed. And I said, I didn't say that. Please retract, retract that. He says, oh, well, I got that. He replied, and he says, oh, I got that from Brian Platt, another columnist, and but he had also gotten it wrong. He had said that he, that I claimed, I said the wording of the attestation requirement should be changed to address the concerns of churches and religious orgs. But I've been talking about, you know, not changing the attestation itself, just clarifying it. So he got it wrong a bit too. And then John Iveson even took it further and got it more wrong and completely misquoted me. So I, and he refused to retract what he said. He said he thought it was fair comment. He didn't even talk to me, right? It was very, very insulting. So uh, obviously some attempts to push back, so there was some good articles out there, but as I mentioned, uh, you know, of the dozens and dozens of uh, anti-attestation arguments, there was, um, I don't know, maybe eight or ten, you know, ones defending it. A few law professors put out a few good things saying, you know, that it does respect charter rights, it's not unconstitutional, 
I wrote two different pieces, one op-ed, which, oh my God, it was hard to get that published. I shopped it around to all these different newspapers. No one would publish it. Finally, the Hamilton Spectator published it. But that was just sort of an example of how hard it was to be heard over this avalanche of negative uh, media. And now, uh, two articles that were also very good by Michael Corrin. And um, yeah, I'll talk about him a bit more in a minute. And, yeah, and all the media, like consistently, all the conservative commentators or religious groups, anti-choice groups, they were all continually talking about how the attestation requirement was about supporting abortion rights, supporting LGBT rights, having to, to um, believe in them, you know, um, having to go against their own beliefs in order to sign the attestation, which was not what it was about. So uh, one good thing was that uh, Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights, a, a great pro-choice group in Ottawa, they organized an open letter, which of course we signed, supporting the attestation requirement. So it was broadly supported by civil society, uh, but those voices weren't being heard. And they noted significant misinformation has been widely circulated in the media about the nature of the attestation. So they noticed it too, and I've talked to Action Canada since, and they're totally on board with us and what we did. Michael Corrin, uh, who's heard of Michael Corrin before? He used to be, uh, if I may say the word horrible, uh, anti-choice right-wing ideologue. Uh, I remember years ago I got invited to be on his uh, program and I refused because he, he was so vicious I didn't want to even go there. And, uh, but he had a conversion. He used to be Catholic and he, he's still religious. He converted to Anglicanism and uh, is now pro-choice, pro-LGBT. He's like totally changed and come around. He's, he's a great guy. We sometimes email each other. He sent him my articles, and he sends, says, thanks, great article, appreciate it. So um, he tweeted this, and a couple of articles touched on this, and it was a very, very important point that I want to uh, bring up. And that is, um, and he knows these people. He was part of them for many, many years, right? He knows what they're all about, the anti-choice groups, the anti-LGBT groups, the churches. He says, so much criticism of the summer jobs program policy concentrates on abortion, and that's what it was all about. Abortion, abortion, we don't believe in abortion. But many, if not most, of the same groups would also deny employment to people in the same sex, in same sex relationships. Do you still think they should receive public money? So the idea here is that, um, is all the fire and fury over abortion really a cover for the religious groups being anti-LGBT? And they don't want to admit that because it's less, you know, socially acceptable to say we're not going to hire, you know, gay people. So we've raised this issue a few times, but it hasn't really gained traction in the media other than through Michael Corrin. Anyway, here's a result, a result of the uh, applications for 2018 for the Canada Summer Jobs Program. A total of 1,559 groups were refused. And some of those were just for other, you know, um, mundane reasons. But about 1,400 of the re refusals were linked to the attestation requirement. So groups were refusing to check the box. Uh, some, a lot of them were sending in the applications anyway, and then including a letter saying, oh, you know, we can't check the box because blah, 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 we don't believe in abortion rights. And, so, you know, please give us the funding anyway. But the deal was, and the liberals were very firm on it, and I have to give them credit for this, they just rejected these applications. Well, actually, they gave them a second chance, returned it, and said, please reapply, you have to check the box. But many didn't, and I think probably a lot of groups didn't even bother applying. So that's one of the headlines. 50 groups in Nova Scotia were refused, um, rejected for grants because they refused to check the box. But the applications were up slightly from last year. The liberals had increased funding for the whole program as a whole, <clears throat> promoting it. And interestingly enough, we did some research on this, <clears throat> hundreds of churches and religious groups did actually check the box, including at least a dozen or so Catholic groups. And uh, LifeSite News, the anti-choice group, was really like up in arms over this, and they were contacting all the Catholic groups that had gotten funding, saying, you got to return your money, return your money, this is wrong. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so um, the lawsuits start. 
And these lawsuits, as far as I'm concerned, are all totally based on false premises. I don't know why they're not just being thrown out, but the Liberal government is defending them. First one out of the gate, well, because the, the anti-choice groups are a bit different than, say, the religious groups, because they're, they're suing under false premises, because they are eligible. They just think they're not for some reason. But the anti-choice groups are not eligible. So Toronto Right to Life filed for an emergency injunction right away after the, uh, uh, attest after the attestation was announced back in December. <clears throat> they lost this in January. Uh, said that The court actually said that the Liberal government would be far more harmed <laughs> by <clears throat> removal of the attestation requirement at that point than the anti-choice group would be. So that suit is still outstanding. There was a bunch of interveners joining into the case. Interveners are like a group that has a special interest in the case. They apply to, you know send in a brief or uh, give oral testimony on a particular matter. So Action Canada, the group that I mentioned that done, did the open letter for, with 80 signers, they're intervening on behalf of the government. Unfortunately, the BC Civil Liberties Association is intervening on behalf of the anti-choice group. And I found that really disappointing. I think they're on the wrong side of the issue. Uh, they don't quite get it. I had a conversation, a frustrating conversation with uh, someone there. But anyway, uh, some of you may be fans of the BC CLA. I am not. I have not been for a long time. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're anti-choice. So these other groups down here are just, uh, with the exception of power to change the ministries in Langley, that's a religious group, but the rest are all just ordinary companies <laughs> who claim that they're being denied uh, Canada Summer Jobs funding because they're being compelled to agree with abortion and all this stuff. And a lot of them say, well, it's got nothing to do with abortion or my beliefs. So, you know, this is just not right for the government to be compelling my speech. But I did, I, we did a bit of digging on some of these, or some of them actually said right in the media that, oh yeah, by the way, the president, you know, of A1 irrigation, they're both fundamentalist Christians, you know, and anti-abortion, and so was the case for most of the others as well. So there's something more going on there. Oh, and there was a couple of companies that, um, they actually they got media coverage for this. They closed down for the summer, um, rather than even apply to get Canada summer jobs in order, because they needed that to keep going over the summer. And one of them was the Bruno Cherry Festival in Saskatoon, which actually was associated with the Catholic diocese there. And a company, or a, a museum, Bangor Sawmill Museum in uh, Nova Scotia. And it turned out that that guy who owns that is a, is a, is a, 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 a fundamentalist Christian, anti-choice. Now, um, I feel pretty confident that, that the government will win these lawsuits. And maybe it could be that when the first one's decided, the other ones might be dismissed, I don't know, or the other ones are a bit different, as I said, because they're not anti-choice groups, but, um, but you know, I can't help feeling a bit worried, too, because of all this confusion, like, it's like a very determined misapprehension on the part of these, uh, the litigants, is that going to influence the judge, you know, uh, what if the judges in the lawsuits get confused, too, or decide to punish the liberals, you know, I mean, you can point to missteps by the liberals in, in terms of lack of clarification when they first issued the policy. I think their clarification was pretty good, but it didn't solve the issue for some reason. So we'll have to see what happens. Now this article, just this is the headline, few concerns shared over Canada Summer Jobs Program. August 1st it's dated. So uh, the staff at uh, one an MP in Oshawa, Ontario, Colin Carey, they were speaking out about the controversy. They didn't use the word overblown, but basically that was the message. They only received a few letters of complaint about it from their constituents. Overall satisfaction with the program, very high. Application rates in their riding were even higher than last year. And they uh, speculated that the controversy may even have increased uh, positive awareness of the program in the public. So that gave me hope because, you know, here I'm in sort of in the middle of everything and seeing all these terrible headlines. But um, there was an, also a poll done, I don't have the details on it, but... It was just a poll saying 
asking the public, have you heard of Canada's number of jobs controversy? And most people said no. So uh, maybe it's kind of a tempest in a teapot. So I'm hopeful that it's, you know, all this bluster by the, by the right wing and the churches and the religious groups is really just that bluster that's not going to have a, a serious effect. So this is my last slide, and I just wanted to leave you with some questions. I just love this cartoon. Can you read it? It says, quit squirming. You're oppressing our religious freedom. And it's a, a gay guy being crucified. I mean, we live in a Trumpian age of fake news now. So uh, I think what's clear from, you know, if you follow anything going down in the States, uh, Trump's base, they don't care what's true uh, about the facts. And they won't listen. They just blindly support Trump, whatever he says. I think some, some of them don't even care if he's lying. They still support him. So how can we win this kind of propaganda war? We only have facts and evidence on our side, such paltry tools. And um, how do we combat this narrative that human rights uh, supposedly include religious freedom is about discriminating and oppressing people that you disagree with, and freedom of expression about, is about spewing hatred? And there was something that came up in Alberta. Kathy was telling me about this. Um, for conservative um, MPs, uh, provincial MPs in Alberta, the word diversity it means that society and government should accommodate anti-choice homophobic views. And then kind of a final question I threw out there, like I look at the states and kind of think, ha ha, you know, so glad I live in Canada. But then I think, oh, um, well, you know, we had Harper for 10 years. Sooner or later, we're going to get another conservative government. Andrew Scheer, who's the head, uh, conservative party leader, is an anti-choice ideologue. What's going to happen? Are we actually safe here? You know, what can happen? So I wanted to sort of leave that as a final um, statement, and then maybe if you have thoughts about how to answer some of these questions, I'd be very, very happy to hear uh, what you think. Thank you.